If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 13. Uh, That's where we're going to be resting this morning. We're going to be looking. It's kind of going to be a bouncing spot where we're going to kind of launch off from there into some other places as well too. Uh, John chapter 13, you you notice here at the beginning of chapter 13, it's Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Here we see uh, the the humble servant of Christ. Uh, And then also you see where he talks about how somebody's going to betray him. Uh, And and, and so as we work through that evening here, I want us to kind of just get into the new commandment that Jesus leaves us. And as you're getting there, let me ask you a question. How is it that people know that you're a follower of Jesus? And, you know, and it's okay if we have some conversational preaching here at this moment. So uh, how is it that people know that you're a follower of Jesus? What's that? Actions. Fruit. Obey his commandments. Love. That's where we're going to be today is love. See, here's the reality. It's cool. It's trendy now to wear these T-shirts that have, um, Clay has one on this morning. It's talking about summer camp. Um, it's it's uh, our guitarist up here. Did he's he's rocking the camp shirt, uh, which you know yesterday I was out around town. Um, I told somebody the other day I'm also an FCA chaplain, so I always always will have on Pleasant Valley North propaganda. I'm just joking. Pleasant Valley North stuff, or I'll have FCA stuff on somewhere because I'm always wanting to start a conversation. The reality of it is is that we wear that, but that does that make us a follower of Jesus? No, not at all. But we do that because we identify with that. Just coming to church, just being in the, in the fellowship hall, worshiping with us in the hall, does that mean that we are a follower of Jesus? No, not necessarily. Does it mean that we get up and read our Bible every day? Does it mean that we pray every day? Does it mean that we take the Lord's Supper? No. We should, but no. Does it mean that I may be the most charitable giver in our church? No. That's not what it says. See, we have a message to communicate to our people, the people that we interact with throughout the week, the people that we, we work alongside, that we, we, we get in the trenches with, that we rub elbows with together. We have, a, we have a message that we need to give to these people. So how do we let them know that we are a follower of Jesus? One of the ways that we're going to talk about this morning is by love. Love is that way that we do that. That's what it means how we're a disciple of Jesus. Look at verse 34 of chapter 13 of John. It says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, here it is, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, this is right before Jesus' crucifixion. It's one of the the last few commands that he gives them. This is before they go out into the garden of Gethsemane, and they have that time and they pray. But this is some of the last few hours that Jesus is going to spend with these guys, and he has to pass some very important information off to them. And one of the ways, because he's going to charge them uh, later on after his resurrection, he's going to charge them and say, hey, go make disciples, baptize, teaching, do all of this in my name. How will they know that if you're real? Because you will show that you will love one another. So this morning, I want us to look at this new commandment. I want us to look at what it means to love one another. Um, So this morning, I want us to see that if we're truly disciples of Jesus, if that's what we're going to be, then we need to know how to figure out what type of love this is. 
because you know that there's multitudes of love. Um, so we want to look just specifically at this type of love. We want to see this. We want to know how do we develop this kind of love, and then how do we demonstrate this love. So that's kind of the flow that we're going to walk through this morning, is how do we do all of this. First off, let's look at what type of love this is. This is a new type of love. Now, we know that there's the love of our parents, there's the love of our, of our children, there's the love of our favorite scoop of ice cream from Sweet Frog or Froyo, whatever it is that they serve there. We know that, that there's the love of our favorite college football team, whether they won or lost yesterday or whether they won or lost very miserably yesterday. There's the love of our dog or our horses or our cats. Or There's just flat out the love of going outside, of being outdoors. There's lots of types of love that we talk about, but this is a new type of love that he's talking about here because we also know that the Old Testament in Leviticus said that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. So this new type of love is something that Jesus tells us But when he says here, he says, I give you this command that you're to love one another. It's not just simply a command to love one another, but it's a command to love in a special way. And this is what we're going to unpack today. Jesus, like always, is calling us to a higher standard, something higher than ourselves that only he can accomplish through our lives. So it's definitely a new kind of love, but also it's a sacrificial love. Is it a sacrificial love? Look at what Jesus says here. As I have loved you, you are also to love one another. It's the type of pattern of love that Jesus loved us. Did Jesus sacrifice for us? Did he show us love genuinely by his death on the cross? Absolutely. But see, we look backwards at these things. These guys are looking forward to what Jesus is talking about. And quite honestly, at this point, they didn't really clearly understand what it was that he was opening up for them. But as the hours would go by, as the days would go by, they would start to understand this type of love. Jesus explained this type of love later on when he's in the garden in John chapter 15. Just flip over one page probably. Um, 15 verse 13 when he says this greater love has no one than this that someone lays down his life for his friends is Jesus moments away from laying his life down for his friends absolutely so he's walking them through this Jesus explained about this John in one of his letters wrote this in 1st John he says this, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. If you're taking notes, you can write this down and go back in your quiet time and look. But this is what John says. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in talk or in deed, but instead in truth and in deed. That's how he wants us to love. Not just in word or in talk, but he wants us to love in deed. Those people that work with you, that are closest to you, your family, do they see that you love in deed or is it just a bunch of lip service? Are we doing something for people? Not because we feel obligated to, but because as we have surrendered our life to Christ and as we are his disciples, it's a natural thing that we do that we mimic our rabbi, our teacher, 
So John explained about this. And also, Paul writes about this too in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Here it is. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So I think we get the point that we can sum all of up Jesus' love in God's love this way. Sacrificial. God, I want to be straight, transparent with you. Sometimes when you come home and there's dishes in the sink and you look and you think like, oh man, what in the world have they been doing here all day? You feel me? But the reality of it is, is that that is an opportunity for us to sacrifice and show love to our spouse. Ladies, maybe you've been off all day and you come home and it's a Saturday and your husband's been watching college football. He's grilled out. He's dirtied up every dish that's in there, you know, and it's one of those things to where we walk in the door, it's like, Are you kidding me? How our hearts could change. Mine is a work in progress too. How our hearts could change if we would say, thank you, Lord. This is an opportunity to show love to my spouse. Why? Because that is how Jesus has shown love for us. Now, did the churches start this off? Did they live this out in their life? If we see scripture, we have to say yes, because if we look at the, the church in Acts, in, in chapter 2, verse 44, it says this, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, am I saying that for us to be true followers of Jesus, we've got to go sell our house? I've got to sell my 1509 Turner Road house? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying this, is our heart willing to sacrifice, to give, to needy, to show love? That's the way that it was manifest out for the, for the early church. They all came together like this in community. Well, not so much, more in homes. But they all came together. And they realized that, that whoever had wants or needs, needs, they would give to them. Even if it meant that if they had plenty, they would sell. It's not because that's, you know, a great government strategy to get you elected as the president. No, I'm just saying that is because that is a servant's heart, the way Jesus wants us to be. Now, is that what it looks like in our life? Probably not. But that's love. That's love that Jesus has asked us to do. Uh, The church in Macedonia, I mean, beautiful picture of love in 2 Corinthians. uh, Talk about selling and needing and stuff like this. Uh, Starting in verse 2, it says, For in severe, in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, verse 2, For in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify and beyond their means of their free will offering, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and so forth and so on. In other words, However you could, you gave. Did some people give more? Yes. Did some people give less? Yes. But their heart was that of giving, of generosity, that of joy and cheer because they know what the Father had done to them and for them through Jesus. So it's definitely a love that's new. It's a sacrificial love, but also it's a love that can be seen because 
We want to we be able to see this stuff. You know, Jesus says that if they can see it, this is what he says in 35, all will know that you are my disciples. It's got to be visible. It's got to be something that people can observe. It's got to be something to where it's going to be so unnatural that they're going to stop and ponder and wonder why it is that someone is so generous in this culture, in this world. Let's be real. This is not a money sermon at all. But we work hard for those things that we have, don't we? Matter of fact, sometimes it's hard for us even to make ends meet. Medical bills pile up. Unexpected car uh, mechanical things happen in our life. Our kids are in every sporting event known to man, and it costs $1,000. I know that because that's what it is in our life as well too. We say it so hard. How can I so freely let give, let go? It's not about our money. It's about my time is so valuable. That I barely have enough time for my family. Because you go and you work every day. And then you, you do what most, most of corporate America does. You bring your work home. And then you work on it in your home office. And then the, the evening gets away from you. And you realize that your family's going to bed. This is the life that we live. Is it the life that God wants for us? If we line it up next to Scripture, no. How do we retrain our hearts? By catching a glimpse of who Jesus is more and more and more. It's a visible love. And here's the reality. This love, we get in here, we hold hands, not physically in this service, but in the, in the sanctuary service, our blended service over there, they hold hands at the end of service. They join hands together and sing Kumbaya and how, how great is our God and we love each other and we go out the door. That's awesome. But are you taking that love with you outside of these walls? Look, look at this. Take, take a moment, take a note of, of, the, of the new high-def screens up there, these pretty cool lights that are movers and stuff, um, you know, the sound equipment that sounds really good, the, the tech team that's in the back, those royal gold chairs that you're sitting in. You know what all of those things are? They're stuff. They're things that we've spent money on. You know what they are not? They are not the church. When we walk out of this room, this is not the church. The church comes and gathers in this room to worship. So when we talk about church, we talk about you being in life every day. So if the church is supposed to love, it's awesome to invite people here and to do all these things and come in and have coffee set up and to, to, to have you know, brotherly love that's in here. But is that what takes place outside? That's where we do life. This is our oasis, our watering hole. We'll become and get refreshed. Community, we celebrate the work that God has done in our life this past week. We use each other to build each other up. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then we go back out for the work. Take that love with you. It's got to be outside of this. So it's got to be a visible love. But now, so we see that it's a new kind of love. Here's the big question. How do we develop this love? 
Well, again, we're going to go to Scripture. We're taught this by God in 1 Thessalonians. He says this, talking about this love in chapter 4, verses 9 through, 9 through 10. He says this, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need, talking about the church in Thessalonica, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by whom? By God. You have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing to all brothers throughout Macedonia. So the church of Thessalonica, they are loving. But who taught them to love? God taught them to love, that we are to love one another. God has taught us that he, he, he loves us, and the way that he loves us is in 1 John chapter 4. In this, the love of God, of verse 9, says this, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins, the payment for our sins. See, love is not defined by the way that I love God, Thankfully, love is defined by the way that he has loved us through Jesus. Now, if the definition of love came from my love towards God, think about that just for a moment. How would that definition be defined? Well, I love God when I think about him. And I think about him every single time. Mm -hmm. Every single time. I have an issue that comes up in my life. I think about God every time that something's not going well in my life, and then I run to God. God, why? Instead of what? Why? See, if, if that's how we defined love, then would it would be a warped version. But aren't we glad that the Bible defines love in the way that God has loved us? We know this because we see it from God. We also are taught to love from Jesus. You know what 1 John, remember we said 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, by this we know that he laid down his life for us. Jesus has taught us about love, about sacrificial love, because he has laid his life down for us, for you and for me. So God teaches us about that, but he teaches us about that as well too. But also we learn about love from you. This is an invaluable thing that we do. This is another way that we are able to teach about love. Hebrews has a couple of things to say about this, and I'm not going to repeat Hebrews to say that, hey, you need to be in church because Hebrews says this. No, I'm saying that we need to encourage each other through love because Hebrews says this in chapter 10, verse 24. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. When's the last time that you have found someone that's going through a rough time in life and you left them a note? You dropped them a card in the mail? Because you're showing them, I love you. I care 
Enough about you. I'm going to do something. I'm going to take something that is the most precious and most valuable thing that I have in this world, my time, and I'm going to let you know that I'm thinking about you and that I'm praying for you. How does that work in our culture? You can shoot them a text. Hey, man, I'm praying for you. You know, I'm coming alongside of you and I'm praying with you right now. I have somebody that at 7.30 every single day, except for on Saturdays and Sundays, but Monday through Friday, somebody every single day, and if he's listened to this podcast, he'll know that I'm talking about him, but every single day at 7.30, he sends me a text, and we spend a few moments talking about the Lord every day. Sometimes that's still bleeding over when my intern gets here at 8 o'clock in the morning during the week, because I'm finishing those texts. Why? Because he loves me. And you know what? I love him. When we first met, we were not followers of Jesus, but the Lord has done a miraculous work in his life and an insanely miraculous work in my life, not only to, to save me, but then to call me into the pastorate. But still every day, this guy that I was in the military with, at 7.30, sends me a text. He is teaching me about love. It's important for us to do this all the time. Just look at what verse 25 says. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Oh, my Lord, when's the last time you've watched the news? Is the day drawing near? Probably. I mean, we have no idea except for that I know that it didn't come yesterday, so that I know that it's coming in the future. So just by due process, I know that the day is drawing near because we're getting closer to it every day. But I don't know how near in the future it's coming. But man, it sure does seem like it's coming awfully fast in this world today. Because we watch and there's not a love that we see in our community. There's not a love in our culture. Whether you're a coworker whether you're a teenager that's on an athletic team or whatever the case is, do we cut people down or do we lift them up? Do we wait on someone to make a mistake and then the moment they make the mistake, we're like, yes, I'm going to rub that in right now. Or do we let everyone else do that and do we go up to them because our heart yearns for our brother or sister and speak an encouraging word into their life. We need to do and live what Hebrews says. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works and do it all the time. So how do we demonstrate this love? We demonstrate it right here in our assemblies, in our gatherings, our home groups that we meet in. Do we take time for those? Because those are invaluable things in our life. That's where we do it. In our community. Do we go and show love at our work? Do we go on mission together? Because I promise, if you go on mission with someone and you rub elbows with them and the Lord uses you, you will be more connected when you come back from that mission trip, whether it's across town or if it's across the pond. 
past two and a half weeks have been probably the most unique two and a half weeks that I've ever had in ministry, hands down. Just with some of the people that have walked into my office and the different, the different things that they're walking through. And I've had some really unique things. But every single one of those people, as they are getting up to leave, I look them in the face and I tell them, look, brother or sister, it was a girl in one. She and another person were there. I said, look, I, I love you. Even when it feels like nobody else loves you, I do. And I know that you have revealed some things to me. And you may think that I see you as tainted now, but I see you as someone that's much closer in my life. Now, we haven't gone on mission together, but they've allowed me to be a part of their testimony. Are we doing these things in our community? Because there's not love that's out in our world right now. Jesus gave us the most powerful weapon, the tool that we can put into our hand. It's love. How well do you love right now? Do you have a heart that's bitter? Do you have a heart that's calloused? Because you've seen what people have done to you in the world. And so you're bitter towards other people as well too. Or do you have a heart that bleeds for people and yearns for people and all these as well? Now, it's not just in love because we know that what it says in in John uh, chapter 8 about how important it is for us to have doctrine or the truth of God. As a matter of fact, it's chapter 8. Verse 32, it says this, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yes, our love is what people see that draws them towards, uh, towards discovering who God is through his word in the truth. The truth is what sets them free, but our love is the thing that they see that, man, the truth has transformed Bob's life so much. Man, he, he loves me. Whether the people that have sat in my office have been in and out of uh, 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 rehab on drugs, or whether they're addicted to porn, or whether they're a womanizer, or whether they're going through a divorce, or whether they're bankrupt, it's the love. And it's not my love, it's the love of Christ that draws them to this. This is what we stand on. This is what he wants us to see. Now, in here, we find that it's important for us to love our brothers, our sisters. It's important for us to love those that maybe can't stand the very thing that we believe is true in gospel. And it's important for us to love God so much that we daily want to pour ourselves into his word. I'm going to leave you these last two verses. Well, I'm going to just read again what he said in John 13, 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you are to love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And also, 
1 John 4 and 11 says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. Would you join me as we pray? Father, it's so great to say that we have love for one another only because we know that you have first loved us. Lord, continue to be merciful to us as we are children, as we will make mistakes. Father, I pray that as you continue to pour your grace out on us, that, Lord, we would fall more deeply in love with you. I pray your life and your word has opened up our hearts this morning. Father, this morning, whether we are people that have realized that we have a need, a need to surrender our life fully to you, Lord, I pray that in a few moments when we extend our invitation, Lord, if you're speaking that into someone's life, that they would come and grab one of us by the hand and begin a conversation of what a follower of Jesus really looks like. God, that I pray and trust that probably the place that most of us are is this morning we realize that you have slapped us right in between the eyes and God, we need to grow and develop our love more. And God, one of the best ways to do that is for us to come and stand next to someone and, and help us hold each other accountable and say, brother, will you pray for me? I'm not doing what I need to be doing. I'm falling short. Lord, I pray that you would encourage that person to grab someone in the, in the, in the chair next to them and just ask them to pray with them. Father, if there's no one there or if they're occupied because someone else is praying with them, Lord, would they come down here and pray with one of us? Or God, maybe this morning you've revealed to someone that this is the place. This is the oasis watering hole that you have called them to come to, to join here in this community of believers that we call Pleasant Valley North. Lord, I pray that they would come as well too. God, I pray most importantly, whatever it is that you lead us to, whether it's to respond or just kneel and pray, that we would be faithful to your call and courageous. We love you. And as Ben sings, I say amen. Won't you come as we stand?